If you got your Bibles, um, we we're going to be turning to First Corinthians chapter twelve today. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we got some lovely people coming down the aisle right now. They want to make sure that you get a Bible. It's going to be really important. We're going to be following along. We're going to be reading along in the Bible together. So I really want you to grab a Bible this morning. And if you don't own a Bible, this is your opportunity to own a Bible. Take it home as our gift to you this morning. Um, if you're a person who's taking notes, who, who's got, I know they give you the hands out and there's like a big section for notes. I want you to write in the section of notes a little bit of homework for you guys. Uh, as you head into next week, and Kai's going to finish, wrap up this series next week on spiritual gifts, and we're blessed to have Kai sharing his gifts with us every Sunday. Amen? And in that, in that way, I want you to be prepared for next Sunday. Uh, you can write this down, Ephesians 3, 14 through Ephesians 4, 16 is a great parallel passage to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's a really important passage. You can see some good contrast and see what's happening and what ultimately Paul is after here in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, it's a, I just want to say this. Why would I say that? Why would I open up a sermon like that? That's not a great way to hook people in. But I want you to, I want you to write this down because I believe there's a huge benefit a huge benefit of being with God, of hanging out with him in his word and coming prepared and in step with the spirit as we enter into these doors on Sunday. We want to make sure that we, we are ready to go, ready to receive God's word, and we come here ready to contribute our spiritual gifts one to another every Sunday. Amen? So my encouragement to you is this, prepare. Prepare to come. Prepare that uh, maybe God might even unpack in a richer way his word for you each Sunday. Today we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and it's, uh, it's something that I got to say uh, fires me up a little bit. I get, I get excited about this. Uh, I think a lot of you do too. We've, we've heard a lot uh, of feedback, of, encouraging, uh, that of encouragement. This, this is something that I needed to hear. This is something we need to focus on. We need to hear about. Kai brought an excellent message, and I loved how he, how he brought uh, to, to light what the scriptures have told us about the importance of unity in the body and using our gifts to build up one another. I love the passage, uh, which really really defines a lot of what Paul's getting at in 12 and 13 and in 14. In, in verse 7 of chapter 12, it says this, to each, everyone do this, that's me, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We've all got gifts, and the whole purpose is that we can share them with one another. And I love how Kai was bringing that to you, and you're going to hear some more about that today. If you're, if you're curious about lists, we have, a, we have a picture just going to be up on the screen of all the times that, that God's Word talks about it. And that's really pixelated, but if you need to see this more clearly, it's in our small groups page under the leadership toolbox. There is the same image there. But here's the times that, that God's Word lists out the, some of the gifts that the Spirit gives His church. And as you, as you go through this, you've got to understand that though these lists may not be comprehensive, though they may not have every single gift that, that, that ought to be um, out there, God, God uses the gifts that He gives His people in the church, and he uses you to be a part of his plan here and building up the saints here. I'm particularly fired up about this because Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, okay? says this, when each part or when each joint with which the body is equipped is working properly, 
If everyone here comes on Sunday and comes to your small group and comes throughout the week to the ministries throughout the week and, and gets on your phone and, and it's talking with the saints uh, from afar, when we do this, when we're working properly in this way, the body grows and builds itself up in love. Now, who here doesn't want this church to be built up in love? That's what you want, amen? And th- th- therefore, that's what we're equipped to help with. In fact, if I, get, I get excited because my whole role or my call, if you will, in ministry here at this church as a pastor is this, is to equip the saints. Again, that's you, Christian. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry, according to Ephesians 4, verse 12. And when it's equipped, and when everybody here joins in the work, the body grows up in maturity into the head, which is Christ. By way of general observation, this is often why I think that uh, the church plants do really, really well at equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, church plants do really well in, in reaching out to new people and seeing the people in the congregation grow in their ability to use their gifts and to serve on a regular basis. And it's developing mature disciples. The reason for this is because in a church plant, everybody is contributing. Everybody, there is a need everywhere, and so everyone jumps in, and as we jump in, we have this opportunity for God to do a work in us. I love how Kai mentioned the idea, it's better to give than receive. As we give, we do receive, though, don't we? God does a work in our heart. In fact, I would say this, if you aren't serving, if you aren't serving the body in some way, don't anticipate Christ developing his own heart in you. Because Christ, first and foremost, was a servant. Amen? And if we want to see that heart of Christ developed in us, it does require us to be serving one another, to be washing one another's feet, to be taking care of one another, to build one another up into the head, which is Christ. It may start, friend, it may start with just an act of discipline, of obedience, but, but as as God takes that act of obedience, and as you start to give your gifts, just watch. He'll increase the desire and a delight for the church in your own heart. There's a lot of people here that have had that happen because they've been obedient, because they've stepped out. I, I would say this, if you want to love your church more, serve your church more. Today, this sermon is all about that. It's all about using the gifts that God has given you. Let's pray. Our Father, we, uh, we come together and we are thankful. We're thankful that you have made us one. You've made us united with you. And you've made us to be united with one another. So Lord, we praise you. We praise you that while we were far off, you brought us near. Thank you for the work of your son. And thank you that we get to be counted as members of his body. Lord God, I pray for us here today. I pray that 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 time that we have spent with you this week would overflow. Lord God, overflow into a heart that is excited about the idea of contributing the gifts that you have given to one another. Lord, as as we today 
open up the Spirit-inspired Word of God. Lord God, we ask that your Spirit would move us. Lord, I beg that you would, in your grace, you would urge, you would move hearts and minds here today in your Spirit. Lord God, help us to not be looking out for us here. Not to be people that are coming here to consume. But rather, Lord God, coming here with a heart full of love for one another and an eagerness to share, to contribute to one another. I pray that you do this in your body, that, that it might be built up, that it might grow, that it might mature, that it might reach the next place and the next person and the next place and the next person with the good news of Jesus Christ, that we would have more saints with us, praising you forever. Lord, get the glory, move in our hearts, I pray in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's jump into this. This is Paul continuing in, in, to answer some questions for the church at Corinth. And this is kind of, if you will, it's kind of like his, uh, his uh, family chat that he's having with them. And verse 12 is where we're going to pick it up today. You got it? Let's follow along together. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, people from all backgrounds, amen? All were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Right? If the, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What do you see here? We see here that the church, the body of Christ to which you belong, is a diverse unity. You see these words, uh, one and many, or, or one and all. It's just like it says in verses 4 through 6. There is a variety and there is a same. We, we are individuals, and yet we are a collective. We, we, we have our uniqueness, and yet we come together as that, as that beautiful collage. We are a God-designed body. We are a God-designed body. How did he design the body? To be a one made up of many or all the parts. In other words, God has, divine, has divinely ordained that his church be a diverse unity. This is something that was important to him as he, as he made it for all different types of people and he gave it all different types of gift. This idea of a diverse unity, though, flies in the face of culture. It flies in the face of this idea of uniformity equals unity. And we see over and over and over again that doesn't work. The Leafs keep drafting offensive-minded people. Where's all the defense, Right? But we see that, that that's, not, that's not God's way of being. Sorry, Babcock. All right. That's not God's way of doing things. He likes the diverse. He likes all the different gifts. 
Notice here, though, we, we, often have, we can often have a problem in comparison in this process. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says this, I'm not a fill-in-the-blank, so do I really belong here? I mean, I, I mean compared to so-and-so, look at the gifts that they have been given. Who am I? Do I have a role here? Do I really belong? Am I really a part of the church? I don't fit in. Compared to so-and-so, I'm kind of useless. This is a low pride problem. This idea of use, I'm useless or I don't belong flies in the face of God's truth in this passage. It says this, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, friend. God arranged, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them as he chose. God arranged it. You see it in verse 24. He composed it. In verse 28, he appointed it. In other words, friend, no matter what gift you have, whether it's a prominent one or a non-prominent one, one that you see and benefit from regularly or one that's working behind the scenes to benefit you, it doesn't matter which one that you have, your gift, listen, your gift plays a vital role to the whole. That's you. That's me. We've all been given a gift. In fact, the gift that you're given is God's, listen, his sovereign, intentional act of building his church right here in Muskoka. You're here with the gifts you've been given on purpose. You're not useless. You, by by God's design, are intricately and purposefully useful. You may be different, but you're different on purpose. God has placed you here to contribute uniquely in the way that only you can to this body, to this church. Every type, every part is needed to achieve God's plans here, to, to achieve God's arranged, arranged design of beauty for this church. And there is, this, there is this sense, even in this passage, that there, there's a beauty to behold in the diversity that is the church. We first see this, this beauty through diversity in the Trinity itself. God, God is three, and he's one, and he interacts perfectly with, with one another. Each of those persons is working perfectly in the one, the one Godhead. The illustration here is the body. There's a beauty in the body, but that beauty in the body is only achieved through the different parts, through the diversity of the body, through the arms, the legs, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth. All of these parts work together to make a beautiful, healthy body. Take, for instance, uh, Mona Lisa. Everybody heard of Mona Lisa before? Okay. There's a reason you've heard of Mona Lisa. All right. She's been uh, associated with beauty throughout generations. All right, and we know of her beauty today, but Mona Lisa was designed by the person that's painting it and ultimately painting it with all the parts. I would suggest if there was an eye missing, you might not know the name Mona Lisa today. Right? There's a beauty in, the, in how God has designed the body. There's a beauty in how God has arranged the body parts of the church. I want to give you another example of a true beauty. There's a, a true beauty <laughs> who's missing a mane, all right? 
That's what I look like when I had hair, by the way. People don't, people don't know that around here, but that's okay. This, this idea of he's missing a part. Something is missing. He's been robbed of some, some form of glory, right? Where's his lettuce? Where's his hair? That's just meant to be funny. I'm, I don't actually think I'm super beautiful or something like that, okay? <laughs> Paul later on uses music as an example. There's a, there's a beauty in music when it, when it has all the different pieces put together. There's multiple pieces on the stage. If you've ever listened to an orchestra, there's a beauty of how many instruments are working in unity together, is there not? And then there is a less than beautiful picture of when one instrument dominates the others. And I think we have an illustration of this. All right, well, I got to have more cowbell, right? You might remember this scene, but th- 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 this, this is a great example of what happens when only one gift is actually celebrated. You may hear, all you may hear is not the beauty of the orchestra, but the noisy cymbal. You might hear, be here today, and you need to appreciate how you've been built to contribute to that symphony. You need to appreciate the gift that God has given you. Your contribution is integral. It matters to this church. So my encouragement to you is this. If it matters to this church, what ought you to do? I want you to contribute where you are. We are a church of small groups. Hopefully, you're in one, or you're planning to get one, or you're going to go to the next Harvest Essentials so you can find out about them. We are a church that celebrates our small group ministry, and small group ministry is built upon a particular style of ministry, something we call mutual ministry. There is no such thing as a healthy small group where the ministry is not shared amongst the members, where it's not a mutual ministry. So what are you doing in your small group? Are you contributing? Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Are you hosting a group or are you overseeing the snacks? Because we all need food, amen? All right. Are you overseeing the snacks for the the group? Who's going to bring them next week? Who's going to supply those that we can, we can gather around and fellowship around? When you do these things, as you, as you give, you do receive. Watch. Just watch how God uses you in your small group. How God works love into your heart for the people that you're serving. Maybe the people that you're hosting in your home. Maybe you, you have teaching gifts. Take the people one-on-one outside of the group and go one-on-one and give them instruction from the word and watch. Watch how, how when you give, you receive. And when you give, there's something that happens in a bond between you and the person you're giving to. Amen? Maybe you have leadership gifts. Start equipping yourself to be an apprentice. As you lean in, Listen, it's, it's funny. People are waiting for other people to give them the growth spurt. But as you lean in, God may develop you and grow you as a leader. You have knowledge of the word? Come prepared each week. Come prepared with the word of God. Come prepared to share what God has shown you from his word and watch how the discussion goes to another level as the discussion forms around the word of God. Maybe you can lead worship. Watch how you, and when you contribute that, it changes the tone of the night. Maybe, maybe you have gifts of service, and you're, you're, you're looking for ways, and you're looking for ways to serve your group and, and take your group with you to serve the people in the community. Watch what happens. Watch what happens when you, when you lead other people into service with one another. The bond amongst the, 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 the group that might not have a lot in common, that bond that was missing before will grow as you serve together as you practice unity together 
and serving to one another and serving the community. Maybe you have evangelism gifts. Come up with an idea. Get your group outside of the group. Get them serving in the streets. See how God then uses that to change the focus of your people in your group. Change the prayer requests that are offered each week. To me, one of the saddest things that happens in small group on occasion is this. People want to leave a particular group because their group doesn't have fill-in-the-blank in it. If the group was more fill-in-the-blank, I might be interested in staying. It's missing something. There's a piece, there's an element that they're not celebrating well enough. Now listen, if it's missing and you have a burden for it, step into that gap. Contribute. God's positioned you with that passion and with gifts to meet those needs. It's not a reason to leave the group. It's a reason to lean into a group. This passage calls you, calls me, to delight in the diversity, in the diverse, and also to accept your role therein and use it. Let's keep reading. Verse 21 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet. I have no need of you. See the prominent one to the less prominent one. Okay. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are, what's that word? indispensable. you got to follow. Let's go. Let's go. What's that word? They, they, they seem weaker. They are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that, it lacked, that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. That's right. I hurt my hand. My whole body is affected by that. All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Notice this word, and I got you to highlight it, this word indispensable. They're indispensable. We need each part of the body to be a healthy body. Deformity, health problems ensue when we don't celebrate each gift given to the body. One can't go to war if they're missing a big toe. I don't know if you've ever heard that before or, or discussed that before. You might be strong, you might be smart, you might be skilled, but if you're missing that big toe, you can't go. In the same way, even seemingly minor gifts are indispensable to the church. Therefore, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need your gifts. That's high pride on display. That's the gifted Christian thinking that they can do it alone. Friend, this passage pushes back against that. This passage is saying there is no such thing as a standalone and healthy Christian. Are you a lone ranger? Are you sacrificing health to be alone? Careful, an arm does not last long on its own. On the flip side, if you have got a piece missing, it isn't good for you either because we're all a part of the same 
body. Therefore, we need to be intentional. We need to be purposeful to be with and to work together with all the gifts in our diversity, to have the same care, as it says, for one another. What's that saying? We ought to purposefully appreciate, to value the other gifts what other people are bringing into the body. And we ought to care and to love each type of person in this body. Amen? See, there's a tendency to appreciate certain gifts and to ignore others. To highlight some at the expense of others. And to appreciate, we, need to, we need to understand that while it might not be normal to appreciate those who are different than you, it's important to the church. In fact, in fact, Paul is saying here, he, we need this, what, he, what he's saying to this church in Corinth is needing to be said to us. In the church, there is a need to be intentional. There's a need to be intentional to celebrate, to acknowledge each gift. In fact, I, I got to say this, about three and a half years ago is when I came to this church. Okay? And then one of the things that I was encouraged about here is, is this. I get to look out every once in a while and see all the different types of people here. Knowing some of the different backgrounds of the people here. Knowing some of the different stories of the people here. And it gets me excited because when I look out, I see people from all different walks of life. Maybe even you were born into a particular denomination in the church. You might be Brethren, Presbyterian, Reformed, Baptist, Pentecostal. We're all here. We're all celebrating the gifts commonly associated with maybe just one denomination. But there's a beautiful potential here. And there's a beautiful diversity here that has great potential to make an impact in Muskoka. But on the other hand, if we don't appreciate our differences, the different burdens that we have, the different skills that we have, and the different cares that we have, if we don't extend that care to each person, to the different people, our differences can divide us. The things that we value can cause us to look at others and to not value them. This leads to two questions for us today as we were wrestling with this text. It's this, that since, since I'm needed, since my gifts are needed, am I contributing somewhere? We talked about small group, but there's other needs for your gifts to get involved. In HK, Harvest Kids, we need people with teaching gifts, hospitality gifts, leadership gifts, administration gifts. Really, we need people whose hearts are moved by the Spirit to serve our kids there. Why? Why? So, so we can see this next generation continue the mission. Amen? So we can see this next generation know and love Jesus and spread that love to a world in need. You got youth. Youth need encouragers, leaders, evangelists, uh, gifts of discernment, gifts of mercy, and wisdom. No amen, parents, okay? We need those gifts in our youth ministry. Don't miss out on the opportunity to make another you in the heart of a youth in our church. We got parking people getting out there freezing, starting to get cold, all right? We got parking people, we got set up people. They need gifts of service and craftsmanship and leadership. You want to see this space differently? Come early. Set it up. You're going to get excited about God's name being lifted high here because you contributed to make sure that people had what they needed in order to do so. Maybe you're welcome or ushers. Those gifts of hospitality and evangelism are essential to those ministries. There, let me tell you, there is a delight. There is a sweetness 
to watching somebody be baptized that you welcome to church the first day. Don't miss out. Use your gifts. And, and the second thing that we need to see out of this, the second question it asks of us is this. Since each part and gift matters, do you, let's, let's make this more personal, ask yourself, do I appreciate? Do I value? Do I sense my need of those that are different than me? Think about it. Do you sense the need of those who are different than you? Remember that God is sovereign in who he's added to your space here, who he's brought to your group, who he's brought to this church, who you serve alongside. And people are often intimidated by that which is different, but, 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 or that which they don't understand. It's a completely natural thing to be intimidated, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen, but in Christ, we always have our most important thing in common. In Christ, the most important thing in our life, person in our life, we have him in common, and that's enough, amen? So we need to fight against that natural tendency and instead intentionally embrace the person that is different from you in your ministry, in your small group, each Sunday morning at your dinner table. Invite them into your life. Might feel awkward at first because you're so different, but watch, God will use them to cause you to grow. They have gifts that you don't. You might even find that your relationship with them can get to a different level. It can become even more rich than you thought or imagined because God does that work of unity. Amen? Marriage is a great microcosm of this, by the way. I married someone very different than me. I'm talking to Marshall, Marshall and Megan, opposites. Talk to Kai, Libby, opposites. Okay, if you have, if you appreciate and you utilize the other person's gift, this works out great. All right, because they're going to bring gifts and they're going to make you more effective as long as you delight in that diversity. But if you don't appreciate the differences, you'll come to resent them or belittle them, even make war against them, seeing them as an adversary instead of a teammate, the teammate that they were designed to be. It's the same way in the body. This, pa this passage challenges you, this passage challenges me to foster that diversity by caring intentionally for each type of gift and person within the body. Let's keep reading God's word. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed, there's that again, right? He composed he arranged, he appointed in the church. First, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no, by the way but earnestly desire the, spirit, the higher gifts. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way as he leads into the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. See, I, I, lo I love this section. 
I love it because it, it goes through some stuff, but there's some really important things to wrestle with in this section. And I don't know that I can unpack everything here, but let me, get, let me give a shot of what I noticed first. I noticed first this first, second, third, then, 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 right? And what's happening here? We have differing roles and differing gifts. And I would submit that the order is on purpose here, that there is an intentionality to what he's putting in order because there's an intentionality of what gifts have a greater ability to edify the church. I make that case based off of chapter 13 and 14. Hopefully you read it ahead of next week. But here is this. We all have these different roles with differing ability to edify in the church. Next you see in 20, 29 and 30 questions of, do all have this? Do all have this? Are all this? Are all this? The implied answer is, no, nobody has all the gifts, right? Nobody, no, not everybody can speak in tongues. Not everybody is a prophet. Not every, we get it, right? That's not to be expected of everyone. We don't all have all of the gifts. You might have more than one, but you don't have them all. And then last we see in verse 31, which is really where I want to focus on today, we see Paul's encouragement, okay? Earnestly desire the higher gifts. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. This, this helps us to comprehend a few things. First, it's, it tells us it's good to desire gifts that have a greater ability to edify the saints. It's good to desire those gifts, those places where you can edify more people. But he also puts an asterisk there of a more excellent way that he's going to bring up later on. He puts that asterisk there, asterisk there on purpose because it's important to know why you desire those gifts. It's important to weigh out why you want those gifts in the first place. Is your heart's motive to edify, to love the church with that gift. You see, if, if your motive is self-centered, it's not loving, it's not about the church, the collective, but it's about me, it's about a love of self, then, then it's not going to go well. You're going to use that gift like, it, like it's a gong. It will be nothing. It will gain you nothing. Are you willing? Are you willing, though, to even go after these gifts. Sometimes fear keeps us on the sidelines of going after some of these gifts. All right, we just sang about it. I thought that was important. A lot of the times we, we, we fear not being adequate for that position or that gift. Are you willing to take, to step out in faith and to take the growing pains that come in that pursuit as you desire the greater gift? Are you willing to go through those, those stretching moments in training and, and in stepping out in faith for your first few times. You see, it, it's not easy to, to study. It takes time. It takes discipline. It's not easy to step out in faith and for the first time teach. You're going to have fears of failure, and you may even fail, but you've got an opportunity then to learn as you step into these new roles as you desire these greater gifts. I want to use an illustration of some people that you might know. People know uh, Hillary Schufelt. She's like overseeing all, all of our admin in the office. Hillary was, uh, before she was in that role, she was my admin help. And Hillary became synonymous, and, and she was always like, oh, no, what's John going to do today? Because I love this. I love to put people in an area that I see a gifting in them, and I, wanna, I want to encourage that. And so I'm going to make them step out into the awkward, into the unknown. Hillary kept doing that in faith. Hillary has grown in her leading gifts. 
Another person that uh, I talk to, I, I love when someone tells me what they're, what they're wanting to grow in or what gift that they're pursuing after. Dwayne Vanderstelt mentioned just one day, Dwayne Vanderstelt says, uh, and he's a coach in, in uh, Port Sydney. He goes, well, I have a desire to grow in my teaching gift. I'm like, Dwayne, you, you probably shouldn't have said that because I'm going to give you lots of opportunity <laughs> to grow in that teaching gift. And I'm going to watch you teach it. I'm going to help instruct you in that. I'm going to give you ability to step out in faith into that space. Are you considered to go through the stretching? Because I'm telling you, every time that Dwayne would get ready to teach, he's sweating, right? It's an act of faith. Another thing we see from this earnestly desire the higher gifts is this, that, that you actually can get another gift. See, there's a viewpoint that, oh, I took a, a test like 15 years ago, and that's what I am. But you better check again, because those gifts aren't necessarily static. It may lead you to being stuck. However, the church, the body, it, it, it's, it's not just something that, oh, that's, there's the block. It'll always be there. It'll always be that position. No, watch. It's growing. It's not static. It's moving. It's regenerating, just as our body does or it dies. God in his sovereign, sovereignty might be appoint, in his appointing, may see fit to gift you for that next chapter in the church's life, for the next season that it needs your, that gift for its mission. So watch, God can give another gift. Third thing that I would say I observe from this idea of earnestly desire the higher gifts is this, it implies that you have a gift today. This goes with 12 verse 7. We've each got this gift. We've each been given a manifestation of the Spirit. You have a gift today, and it may not be the same gift tomorrow, but you have a gift today, my friend. Do you know your gift? You can see some parts, I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Do you know it or them? Because you may have more than one. If you don't, my encouragement to you is this. Be obedient and serve. Serve and watch. Watch what God does. As you serve, he starts to give you an affinity for a certain section of that ministry or something gets you fired up about what's going on and how you're serving and how you're seeing God use you. Because when he gives you that affinity, he also gives you an ability. He gives you an ability to contribute. He gives you the skill set that you need in order to meet that need. And ultimately, he gives you affirmation in that. It might be someone asking you to do it. It might be someone saying you did really well at it. But he, if, if you think of it for, as those three different things, watch how God gives you the affinity, the ability, and how he affirms you in it. As you serve, you might not know it today, but your skill and your will may become more clear tomorrow. For example, if, if you were to join a, a ministry like Harvest Kids, you might be joining the ministry just to be faithful and to serve. You might not know your gifts, but you might discover your gifts there. Maybe it's, maybe it's as that young mom who's dropping off their kid for the first time is coming. You, your heart goes out to that mom. Maybe your heart goes out to that kid. And you just want them to have a warm experience. You want them to feel safe in that environment. You want to welcome them in. You want to get that little tyke all connected with the toys and the people and playing and having a good time. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. But you're not going to discover that if you're not there in the first place. It could be the same in small group. In small group, you, you, you may take another guy out for coffee. 
Suddenly you're unpacking the word of God for him and you're encouraging him, you're exhorting him in it, you're teaching him it. And you're recognizing that God's doing something. He's making it clear through you to that man. Maybe you have a gift of exhortation, of teaching. But a caution, I would say this, even if you're serving, you're like, John, I've been serving for years, I have no clue. Here's a caution, more of a pastoral caution than anything else. It's this, as you seek to discern your gift, know this, your gift can be hard to discern because it goes contrary to your very nature or maybe the situation you find yourself in. For example, you might be an introvert. It's called a teach. You might be a mom with four little babies that has the gift of hospitality. You might be a leader at work, but in the church, you have serving gifts. You might be a young person and you have the gift of knowledge and you don't really know where to contribute it. You might be financially tight with the gift of giving. You might be maybe, maybe a little bit like me when I was called into ministry. I was fearful. I couldn't read in front of people, not without stuttering and stammering and feeling very insecure. But you never know how God does his thing, amen? It can sometimes go against your natural, your, your natural reactions or your nature itself. Yet even then, I would submit that if you get serving, God will do the revealing in due time. God will do the revealing. The question for you then today is this. In love, are you doing what Paul's encouraging here? In love, are you desiring a greater ability to edify the body? That next gift to serve the collective with. This passage encourages you to pursue those higher gifts. In close, I just want, I just want to think about this, and maybe this is where, where you're at. How, what do I do with all of this? That's a big chunk of scripture. It goes with a couple more chapters that you need to be doing some reading about before you come into next week. But how do I respond to all this? It's a lot of information. It's, I just want to give you two A's, two words. Adore and act. First, adore. Adore the beauty of the gospel and of the church. Do you see in verse 13, there's Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. There's people in this room from all walks of life from all different backgrounds, okay? And we're all here. The gospel has united all. It has drawn men, women, children, Asian, African, and European, rich, poor, young, old, athlete, nerd, intellectual, pragmatic person, artistic person, systematic person, all into one unity under a head, which is Christ. Do you see that? Who else does that? Who else does that? Only Jesus does that. And that's what his church is. And then not only does he take that diversity, but he makes it even more diverse by giving every single one here a different type of gift from your different unique background to contribute uniquely to this church. He, he, he wants you to, that, that a collective, to, 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 uh, that eclectic collective Lord, and uh, to contribute uniquely to one another. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But it shouldn't, while it, while it may cause awe that God can do that, it shouldn't surprise us. We said earlier, God's triune in his nature. God is both an artist, a scientist. He's a mathematician and a craftsman. He's the pyrotechnician. He's the creator. He's man, he's spirit, he's servant, he's king, all rolled into one. And if you look around creation long enough, you will see that he is, that it is never lack diversity. 
It's the way he wants it. That's the way he's designed it. And it's the same with the church. Today, where you sit, where I am too, we have all been individually equipped uniquely to contribute to specifically to God's body, to God's collective. So admire it, adore it, just get caught in the awe of it and appreciate how the gospel is able to unite people from all walks of life and then act on it. What are you going to do? Maybe you're sitting there and you've never come under the head, which is Christ. You're sitting there and you're like, this is a great message for the church, but I'm not a Christian. My, the call is to come. Come to Christ. Make him your head. Repent of your self-sufficient ways and depend on Jesus for salvation and new life. Join this broken beauty of a living and living body. Live along with us, the church, the body of Christ. Will you, what are you going to do? You, how, what are you going to act? Will you intentionally delight in the diversity by, by appreciating your gift and jumping in? Will you do that? Will you, will you be close enough to people who are other, who are different than you, to care for them? Will you, will you be loving toward the body so much so that you, that you only want to give so you can contribute more? Is that, is that where you, what you're going to do? Are you going to act in those ways? Take a step today. Act today. Step into unity with the body. Maybe you're not close enough to us. Worship with us. Maybe you don't come every week. Come every week. That's the next step. Come here. Be here. Be with the body every week. Maybe you attend regularly. Are you officially a member? Worship with us. Do community with us by joining a small group. Are you in a small group? Are you devoted to that small group? If you're devoted to that small group, the next step may be that you need to participate more in mutual ministry or, or even consider becoming an apprentice. Take a step in mission with us weekly. There's, we have an opportunity to give gifts through, through offering each week. We have an opportunity to come here and to serve one another each week. Maybe to serve to share our gifts or even to discover our gifts. Either way, are you going to take a step into service? Children need to know Jesus is the way, amen? Newcomers need to have their kids cared for so they can hear the life-giving gospel. Youth need disciples to show them how to follow Jesus. Small groups need your edification and skills for the mission. Families today need adopting so that the gospel can be declared to them. The love of Jesus can be shown to them. Your neighbor, your coworker, your relative, your buddy need to hear of Jesus' love for them displayed in his death, burial, and resurrection, but also his love for them displayed in his church. It's go time. Step in. Serve. But serve knowing this. When you give, you also receive. You can't outgive them. You you can't give without receiving. As you are giving, God in that act is growing his own heart in you. You're becoming more like Jesus as you serve. So share those wonderful gifts of grace that you have been given. Those grace gifts with, with people today before you leave. With people next week when you come. With people in your small group. With people in the youth ministry. Share those gifts so we can celebrate more people receiving his grace tomorrow in this town. Amen?
Let me leave you with this. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 15. I mean, 15 through, excuse me, 4, verses 15 through 16. I'll leave you with this. I don't know if it helps you to focus by closing your eyes. It does for me often. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this uh, passage would become synonymous with this church. That people, when they come in, see people contributing to one another, loving one another with the gifts that they've received. That the people in this church would feel empowered to step up, to stretch, to step out into faith, into new areas of ministry. I pray this, not so that we can say we've got a successful church. Oh, Father, forgive us if that's the motivation. I pray this so that people can grow closer to you and that we can see your church grow up to mature into the head, which is Christ, and we can see it reach further, love greater, Show your grace to more people. Lord, I pray for each person there today wrestling with how they're designed to contribute. Help them to take the next step. It's an act of faith. But it's also an act of love. I pray that you would work in their heart a desire to contribute to this church and to contribute to your kingdom expansion ultimately. Lord, take fear away and replace it with faith. Help us to go. Make disciples. Thanks for equipping us to do so. Help your body grow, I pray in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen.